Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Shifted Radio. I'm Mike. Today we have a very special episode. We have Jordan Henry joining us. Jordan is a good friend of mine. He is also a veteran of over 595 professional ice hockey games. He's played in the AHL, the KHL, the top league in Finland, the Liga, the Allsvenskan, and the East Coast League. Jordan also played in the Western Hockey League in the WHL when he was a teenager. Jordan brings a lot of leadership to every team that he's played on as he's been captain for quite a number of years and being a veteran in two of the major professional hockey leagues in North America shows greatly on how he has brought tremendous value to the teams he's played on. So without further ado, let's welcome Jordan to the podcast. Welcome to the show, Jordan. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just great, just great. How are things going? Pretty well, pretty well, yeah. It's a uh, busy time of year for us, that's for sure. Schedule is really picking up, so it's uh, it's busy. A lot of road trips right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What uh, what are you doing right now? Let's tell. Let's give some people some context. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's 11 o'clock at night. What time is it for you there? 5 p.m. here. I'm uh, <laughs> driving. I'm on my way home from uh, my other job, other than <laughs> hockey. Oh, just side hustling. I love it. Yeah, got to do it. Got to do it. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure you're stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic right now. Yeah, a little bit of traffic. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be, for sure. Considering the weather was pretty pretty poor this morning, a lot of snow, but it looks like it's cleared up pretty good, and maybe everybody just went home early. Yeah, they might have uh, taken that personal afternoon. Everybody needs a yeah. personal day every once in a while, I guess, right? I suppose so, right? You can't fault them for just getting out of the way when it gets bad. Yeah, there, like they say, there is no traffic on the extra mile, Jordan. I hear that. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, we gave the listeners a little Coles Notes version of you uh, and your hockey career, but uh, why don't you give us a little more detail into who you are, where you come from, and how you got here? <laughs> All right. Well, I was uh, I was born in small town Alberta. Uh, I grew up grew up there, the town of Milo, Alberta. Uh, really small, only about a hundred people. And uh, we were we had a farm maybe 20 minutes outside of there, so pretty much middle of nowhere. But uh, the good thing was we had a pond on our property, so when it got cold in the winter, I had uh, free ice anytime I wanted it. Uh, I played minor hockey in Alberta. Uh, graduated to major junior, played uh, four years in the Western Hockey League with Moose Jaw and Red Deer. And then uh, after my overage season, I turned pro, signed a signed an NHL deal with the Florida Panthers, played three years in their system. And I went to play in uh, Dynamo Minsk of the KHL for one year. I came back over north, back home to North America again, signed a one-year NHL deal with the Calgary Flames, played in their system for a year, and then 
since then, I kind of bounced around a little bit between uh, played in Sweden, second league Sweden all Svenskan for part of a season, and also the uh, SM Liga in Finland, as well as uh, some more time in the American League, and then now I'm here uh, here in the ECHL with Brampton. Awesome. That uh, that's quite the journey. Yeah, quite a quite a road, that's for sure, for a small town kid from Alberta. But yeah, this is my um, 11th year pro, so I'm uh, I feel pretty fortunate to have had the career I've had for sure. That is so impressive. The uh, 11 years, man, it really puts it all into perspective. I mean, I don't know. I was just thinking about that too. Like, where does the time go? Uh, it's uh, it's amazing. When you were a young kid in a small town, did you ever think that you would be seeing all the places you have and, and experiencing all that you did with, uh, with being good at a particular sport? I mean, it's always the dream. I think for most, you know, small kids in Alberta, small town, I mean, all they want to do is play hockey. Right. And that's probably rings true for, for a high percentage of kids all around Canada. They want to be hockey players, but realistically it, it doesn't come to fruition for, for but a small percentage of us so you know I wanted it really bad and and like I said earlier I feel really fortunate that I have been able to to travel so much and see so many places playing a sport for a living it's uh it's a tremendous privilege for sure absolutely and you, you know you talk about that perspective and I think uh, knowing you on a personal level I can definitely attest to you know your your character and and how you conduct yourself you know it's no mistake that you've been playing for as long as you have and had as much as much success as you had um you know knowing you uh from playing together a couple seasons ago and and you know just from playing against you uh, many many times over the years uh, i think that people uh will quickly realize why you're still playing after 11 seasons and you know how you've been to some of the places that you've been um what what were some of the things uh when you got when you were in the western hockey league what were the some of the things that you that you had in your mind either your mindset or some of the things that you were working on uh were, were you thinking about you know how they would translate to pro or were you thinking about just being a good hockey player uh, at that time? You know what? I think my mindset was a little bit more in the moment at that point. I wasn't really thinking too far ahead to pro because, you know, I was a late bloomer for sure. I, you know, my first year in the league, I was just kind of trying to keep my head above water, to be honest. I was a, <laughs> I was a tall, skinny kid away from home for the first time. And I was, you know, just, just trying to, to get in the mix and get in as many games as I could and, you know, develop my game. But uh, not being drafted to the NHL, I didn't really think about maybe the pro aspect as much while playing junior. I was just trying to develop into a good player and, you know, work my way into some sort of opportunity post-junior, whether it be pro, whether it be, you know, CIS scholarship or something like that. I just... Uh, you know, tried to do everything I could to to get to that next step, but uh, I tried to stay in the moment and not think too far ahead at the same breath. That's great. Uh, that's tremendous perspective to give. 
staying in that moment and really working on your craft, you know, you can see, um, you know, I just, you know, skim across the, the stats pages here and uh, just looking at more so the, the games played and, you know, how you, you started to develop uh, over the years and how you can see that the maturity is coming in in junior. Did you, did you uh, think or notice uh, like through your years of playing in junior, how your, your maturity level was, was different uh, in every year that you would go back? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, you grow each year. You, you can't help but uh, pick up something every year. And, you know, the more comfortable you get in a situation, the more, you know, deeply you get involved in even the community that you live in. You know, you, everything you do, you, you think about the place you live, you know, you get more familiar with that. Your teammates, your coaches, your staff, your everything like that. You just get uh, so much deeper into it that, it really helps your development year after year. You know, once you get your feet wet and, and you get comfortable, then you can really dig in and, and start to develop. For sure. And do you, do you find that your coaching staff back then uh, had a big role or like who was someone at that time in your life that, you know, you could turn to and say, Hey, listen, you know, this is what I'm thinking. Can you help me out? Or do you have any advice? Yeah, I didn't so much uh, lean on the the staff of my own team or coaches of my own team. I think um, I had a, a childhood coach, a good friend of mine back home. His dad, uh, his name's Dave Robertson. He coached me uh, oh, for three or four summers growing up uh, when we had a kind of select team that got together. And uh, you know, anytime I was in the dumps or whatever, I kind of lean on him and and give him a call. And he offered a little bit different perspective of of my game, especially just because he had coached me directly. So he was able to kind of, to offer his, uh, his input from a, from a different angle, which helped a lot. Yeah. It's so important to have those people that you can rely on, um, from like outside sources that will, can give you kind of that unbiased look, uh, sometimes into yourself. And, and I think it's, it's just important to know what each situation calls for. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, we need to have our ego kind of stroked basically. And, and sometimes we need to have our butts kicked pretty much, you know? So like, it just depends on what each situation calls for. And when you have someone who's pretty knowledgeable and and understands that they can really, really make a, a huge impact on a player's career. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and, you know, kids don't always want to go to their parents either. I think, you know, depending on what kind of parents you have, as far as their number one, their hockey knowledge and, and number two, the way they deliver uh, information to you. I, you know, some parents are a little too hard on their kids. Other parents, you know, might not offer as honest of an opinion as you might need on your game. Whereas, you know, someone from the outside is going to kind of shoot you straight when it comes to, uh, to something like that. For sure. And I think that it's so important in, you know, personal development is being able to have just honest feedback because, you know, when, when we get good, honest feedback, we can, we can make corrections. We can understand what we do well. And it's just a lot of self-awareness that, that goes on as much as it's sometimes hard to hear some of the negative things. 
it's also really good to to hear them and it's also good to hear the positive things that are being that are being said you know it's just it's a learning it's a learning tool and you know a bit about what we're trying to accomplish here with shifted is is very uh it's similar like it's it's about being a learning tool so that the player can develop the best way possible right and you know that's just it's great that you mentioned that because I think it's it's so, so important for these kids to understand that. Yeah, I totally agree. Definitely. I mean, you need both sides of it in there. You know, you can't be, you can't be ripping on somebody all the time because they're, they're going to lose confidence. But every now and then you need to address the, some of the issues that are, you know, either in their game or in their, you know, actions that are, that could be influencing their game. For sure. And create good habits. So uh, let's let's jump into your professional career. And you signed uh, Adam Jr. with Florida. Now, when did that happen? And then talk to us about um, your entry-level contract and, like, the years that you spent in that organization and, you know, getting your feet wet in, in the pros. Like, what was all that about? Well, in all honesty, it happened really late. For me, I, I was undrafted, so I was a free agent. Um, I went to development camp in the summer. You know, they wanted to give me a look, um, so I went there. I felt like I had a pretty good development camp and that I that I fit in with a lot of their drafted players pretty well. So, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen after that. Um, I kind of had my second uh, second option already in place. I had committed to play. Uh, at University of Alberta in the CIS. So I had that kind of locked up, but I was going to gonna chase the, the pro dream as much as I could as far as the NHL contract goes anyways. So um, I was fortunate enough. They invited me back to back to rookie camp and main camp. And you know, I went through, I, I had a pretty good camp and I got into a couple exhibition games and, you know, things went pretty well. And, and I got reassigned to to Rochester in the American League. That was our affiliate then. And and uh, after that, they had decided that they wanted to sign me to an entry-level contract. So it took a while. I, I didn't know if it was going to happen or not. And I, as you know, those teams keep their, uh, their stuff pretty close to the vest for the most part. So I wasn't getting a whole lot of feedback except for, you know, if they kept putting me in games, I, I knew that I was doing something right. So, yeah, I signed. Uh, I signed once I got to Rochester, and and the rest uh, from there was was kind of a whirlwind. The first year, to be honest, I, I they had signed a lot of guys. They were going through a bit of an overhaul, so I got sent down to uh, the East Coast League there for. I think I played twenty games my first year down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it it was different because I was on the other side of the the country from my family and everything. I mean, even in junior, I, I was within a few hours drive of my family. So being all the way in Rochester and then especially down in Florida was, uh, was a little bit tough at times, but I mean, the lifestyle was, was something I was learning about every day, you know, as far as being a pro and everything like that, but also enjoying yourself away from the rink, especially in Florida. There's so much to do down there, you know, just, getting away from the rink and, and experiencing the city itself. Absolutely. And uh, that's a pretty cool story. I mean, you go, you go and basically earn yourself a contract in training camp uh, as a young kid. 
with, you know, little expectations on you, but then all of a sudden you, you're, you're kind of turning people's heads and you get in some exhibition games and then, you know, you start to think like, wow, you know, they're putting me out there. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. And, um, you know, what, what's that mentality like going into a training camp and knowing, hey, listen, I got to do what I got to do and I'm going to go and earn my spot. Like, did you go there with expectation on yourself? Did you go there with, you know, like, like a hungry man, like attitude, like I'm going to get this? Or did you go there and just say, hey, listen, I'm going to do the best I can and let the chips fall where they may? I was definitely hungry because, you know, when you get to that point, there was only me and one other guy that were not drafted by the, by the Panthers that were at camp. So I, there was only two of us and, and I kind of, you know, took it as a real challenge to, to see where I stacked up against these guys that had been drafted after I'd been passed over in the draft and everything like that. So um, it was definitely, I'd, my eyes were pretty wide for sure because I'd never been to an <laughs> NHL camp before, obviously. So there was, there was that, that learning curve too, where you have to, you know, you go out there and, and you're doing everything you can and you have a huge amount of respect for some of the guys you're, you're lining up beside because you've watched them growing up, but in the same breath, you have to kind of check that and, and be ready to compete because if you don't, you know, you're going to be made look pretty silly in a hurry out there, as you would know. Um, it doesn't take much to stand out in a negative way in, in those situations. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I took it as a challenge and, and I was going to do everything I could to make them, you know, have a tough decision. I mean, I, I wasn't worrying about stuff that I couldn't control necessarily. And that, that was a, one thing that I mentioned uh, Dave Robertson earlier on, you know, that was one of the biggest proponents that he taught me was just worry about the stuff that you can control and not the things that you can't. So, you know, all I could worry about was how I played when I got on the ice, when I got in the lineup, you know, was I doing stuff right away from the rink as far as showing up on time and, and, you know, paying attention in meetings and everything like that and absorbing as much from the NHLers as I possibly could. So I tried to do that as much as I could. And, and then in the end, just hope that I did enough for them to have a real tough decision on their hands, whether they were going to sign me or, or let me go. You mentioned uh, the tough decisions and that's something that's so key. And that's a good, it's a good perspective because when you're going to these camps and so many of the guys around you are either prospects or playing on a team or, you know, they've, they've been around uh, for a little bit. Um, that's, that's really what you're looking for uh, when, when you're going there without expectation, you're looking to make their choice or the decisions really hard. And that's, that's usually a good sign for, for players that are going there without contracts. Um, so like that's a that's a really good perspective. I, I I like that, and I'm sure as you as you did. I mean now that you, now that we can talk about it and see back that their decision was pretty hard. But then it, then once they got over it being hard, then they then you made it seem easy for them, and and then you know you, you took that, and then you started to do well. And you know talk to us about the progression of your career in the first few years. Uh, in that organization playing with Rochester and, you know, how that, how that came, how that uh, went. And then, 
you know, being part of that organization and chasing that NHL dream? Yeah, the first year was obviously an up and down year just because when I did get sent down, I was, you know, I was still a little bit disappointed for sure. Um, you, you never want to get sent down. I, you know, I kind of vision, envisioned once I signed, I was going to play in the American League and, and really develop. And But realistically, even though they'd signed me, I was still well behind a few guys on the depth chart as far as, you know, guys that they had brought back that are, you know, on the second, third year of their NHL contracts, right? They've been there for a couple of years and, and I slotted in kind of behind them. So, so realistically, it was good for me to go down to def- to Florida and develop. And, you know, I played, I played 20 games down there and, and I still remember the last call up that I got from Florida. Um, it was actually early December and my parents were, were flying down to see me there for a week or so before Christmas. And, uh, this was, uh, this is on a, a Wednesday and they were coming in Thursday and, and the, the assistant GM from Florida called me and said, Hey, you're going up to Rochester for the weekend. So I called my parents. I was like, Hey, I'm going up to, to Rochester. You know, I know you guys can't change your flights. Everything's booked. Everything's locked in. So <laughs> I'm going up for the week. They said, I'm going up for the weekend. You know, I'll be back and and we'll still have a, a good few days to spend together kind of there before Christmas. And, and uh, my, I remember my dad saying to me, he's like, you know what, just don't worry about us. Do what you do up there and don't come back. And, and lo and behold, I was up in Rochester for the rest of the season. I played the last, you know, about 40 games when I got up there. So they ended up sending uh, other guys back to Florida instead of me at the end. So I, I had I had moved my way up the depth chart again. So it was it was a roller coaster, but it, it finished on a high note for sure. Absolutely. And then you parlayed that into a, a couple of solid years after that. And uh, then, you know, you moved on to the KHL uh, after a really solid year, for sure, the year before with, uh, with Raj. Um, now, I mean, I, we all know that the KHL is an entirely different animal, but uh, would you care to explain how different it really is? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is probably the maybe the number one question I get asked about my career is when you know I, I mentioned to someone that I played in Russia, and people ask, "Oh, where all did you play?" And I, I mentioned I played over there. That's probably the number one question I get is like, "Oh, what? Like, tell me some stories. What happened over there? How was it?" <laughs> so, anyways, I guess a little bit of backstory to that is, you know what. I finished my third year of my entry level deal. And, and like you said, I, I did have a pretty good season and an especially strong second half. And, you know, there was a couple, couple times there where I thought I was actually going to get called up and, and, you know, get a chance with the Panthers. Uh, it never happened, unfortunately, but after the season was over, you know, come free agency period, they, they sent me a qualifying offer and, you know, it wasn't maybe what my agent and I thought it was going to be coming off a good year where I had played big minutes for them and, you know, put in some decent offense and I had a good plus minus and everything like that. And, you know, I performed well down the stretch and in the playoffs. So um, we kind of went back and forth with them a little bit. And then out of nowhere about, oh, third week of July, I think, my agent called me and he said, Hey, I've, I've got an offer from the KHL. 
He said it's from it's from Dynamo Minsk. Um, he's like the team over there. You know, they don't have an import rule number one, so they can bring in as many imports as you, as they want. So the pressure is not as great as in in actual Russia, where maybe you get two or three guys, and then if you don't really light it up over there, then they just kind of ship you out and get someone new. So, mm. and he said they're not a they're not a hugely wealthy team, but the contract offer was significantly more than, than what I was getting from Florida. So he said, I don't want to put any extra pressure on you, but you got maybe, you know, three days to decide on this because <laughs> as you would know about <laughs> yeah. Europe, you, you know, the offers come and go real quickly. I, they had probably given the offer to maybe two other guys other than me. And the first guy who really jumped on it and was serious on it, they, they signed. So, so I had to talk to my family and, you know, it was, it was a bit of a scary time because I'd never been over to Europe at all before that. So I, I didn't know what to expect at all. And, and the KHL even then was relatively unknown. There wasn't as many stories out there in the mainstream media as there is now. So, I mean, I, I was relatively um, in the dark about what was going to happen when I went over there. So, you know, I just, I, just decided to go out on a limb and do it because, you know, the money thing, I guess, was was too good to turn down. And, you know, I I didn't really know how long my hockey career was going to go on. You never really know. It could have been, you know, five years or six years or, you know, now going on 11. But to have yeah. that chance to, to put a little money in the bank, especially given, you know, the – the um the means that I'd grown up in my parents, you know, didn't have a whole lot growing up. We were farmers and we were hard workers. So, you know, to be able to get out on my own and, and really have something for myself to try and build a future for my, my life going forward, I kind of jumped at the chance. So I ended up going over there and uh, I was two days late for camp because they had sent me the contract so late. So I flew, flew in, uh, Flew in from Calgary to to Minsk, Belarus, and I had left Calgary at 2 p.m. and I got to Minsk at about six in the morning, and I'd barely slept on the plane because I didn't know how to sleep on long flights, and I was so excited and nervous and scared and everything else about what was going to happen that I had to start my day as soon as I got there. So I was going on very little sleep when I did get there, and. Now I had a guy that that spoke a little bit of English that kind of brought me around and took me to this hospital to do my medical exams and everything like that and I stayed there for a day and then I flew off to Switzerland to meet the team the next day and jumped right into it so it was a it was a whirlwind to start to say the least and then uh you've been to Europe you know all about uh some of the training camps over there <laughs> yeah. this was this was late July and the season didn't start till mid September. So we had a good solid six weeks of training camp, which is, uh, which is unheard of in North America. So yeah, <laughs> it, that was an adjustment as well. It was, uh, it was a long time till the first game they were, uh, they were giving it to us pretty good over there. So it was, uh, it was a new experience. Definitely. For sure. I think a lot of the people that are listening don't really quite understand how the European training camps work and, you know, typically, well, the KHL starts even earlier than most of the other places in, in Europe, but typically you get over there at the start of August or whatever you get there and you have your, you know, you have six weeks of, you know, 
training camp and the first two to three weeks, I don't know how it was for you guys, but uh, in my adventures, the, the first like two or three weeks, we were doing like two a day practices and, and with workouts before and after each one. So, I mean, it was pretty grueling and, you know, the, the on ice sessions, you know, aren't like, are like an on ice session would be here, but the nature of being on the ice so much made it extremely difficult. And, you know, you're just thankful when that's all over and, and like, you're really ready for the season, but I mean, you might be kind of slightly burned out too. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Uh, it was uh, the first maybe three weeks. I don't know if we had a day off the whole time we were there. We had uh, <laughs> We were going in and we did about an hour and a half workout in the morning and then two hours on the ice and then a brief lunch and then another hour and a half workout and another two hours on the ice in the afternoon. So, yeah, we were getting killed for the first couple of weeks and then and we played then uh, we played uh, two exhibition games against some Swiss, uh, Swiss A teams and got pretty much blown out in both of those. So the boys were a little tired, but... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was my first introduction to European training camps. Yeah, that uh, it'll really break you in right there. So did you did you enjoy your time over there, uh, just in general, like the whole season and, and just being over in, in Russia and the KHL? Um, yeah, I mean it was just like I don't even know how to describe it. To be honest, it was like, it was. <laughs> It was just so, like, for the first couple of months, it was so much stuff that was, like, that I'd never seen before with yeah. regards to the culture, the, the everything. It was so different. But, you, you know, what? the uh, European-style game especially was, uh, was very foreign to me. The big ice and everything like that, it was, uh, it was uh, definitely a different style. They play over there, especially in Russia. They go... Uh, all puck possession and, and North America hadn't really adopted that style like they do now as much. So it was uh it was a wake up call for me. I had to change my playing style a little bit as well. Yeah, for sure. And definitely the KHL um, is a lot of skilled players in that league. And I'm sure you saw your fair share of skilled players in that league. And, and I know that the playing style there is vastly different from most places, uh, even in Europe, but it's, uh, it's a lot of, uh, puck possession and going on a rush and if you don't like what you see you kind of circle back and and keep it and then and then reattack and and so like I can definitely see how all that would change um so so what where did you go from there I know you went uh, back to North America but how did that come about um you know I think after I I had a two-year deal with an option in Russia and I think um after the first year you know, I was still ready to explore opportunities in North America. And uh, my agent called me on July 1st and he said, you know, the Flames are really interested. They they want to sign you. And so I kind of jumped at the chance to sign with a the team I had grown up watching. Um, it was a, it was a big thrill. So I definitely jumped at the chance of that. And, and it seemed like speaking with them that they had uh, – had a lot of interest and they had a, a good opportunity for me if I came into camp ready to go. So that was kind of the goal there. So I, I, I opted out of my Russian deal and, and came back and signed a one year with the Flames. And, you know, that's probably pretty exciting to 
sign a deal with the team that you grew up watching. I mean, I can't even imagine that, but, uh, so how did that season go? Like, how was the training camp and how did you move into, uh, you know, the rest of, like, how did that affect the rest of your career? Like playing for the team that you grew up watching and then, you know, you're there and then what's your mindset, uh, going into that training camp? Um, it, it was, uh, obviously huge excitement to start with. And then that year was, was kind of a, an interesting one in my career, to be honest, because I started off, you know, I, I, I lived in Calgary in the summer, obviously. And, and I got really close with the staff and everything like that. And I was working out with their strength guy and all that stuff. And, you know, putting in a lot of work and doing everything I needed to do to, to get ready for the year and, and be at my best coming in. So I, um, I came in, I had, I had a really good camp, fitness testing, everything went great to start off with. And, you know, I was really, really good in the, in the early camp area. So they put me in a couple of games and, and I, I had played, you know, fairly well in the first couple of games. And then, you know, they had the first round of send downs to the American league and I, and I wasn't in it. And so they gave me another game and then I, then they sent a bunch more guys down and they still hadn't sent me down and, you know, so I was starting to gain confidence and really thinking, you know, I might have a shot here. So I ended up getting into two more exhibition games. I think I played five out of the seven or something that they played. Huh, that's pretty good. So they were just playing me and playing me and playing me. And, you know, I was I was playing well and I had confidence and things were going well. And then, you know, they, they sent pretty much everybody else down and they had eight defensemen left and, and I think 15 forwards. So... I was included in the eight defensemen, so I was I was excited about that, and I thought you know I might start the season up with a big club, and you know this could be this would be crazy if I found my way into lineup on opening night in Calgary in front of my family and everything. But you know we went away on a, on a team building trip to Banff, and you know I sat down with the GM the last day there, and he just said, you know we have too many forwards on one way contracts that we can't really send down due to the cap reasons, and you know you're you're kind of our eighth defenseman right now. If we were going to keep eight, we would keep you. And if not, then, you know, we kind of got to send you down. So that stung a little bit, to be honest. I thought I was, I thought I was right there and, and I thought I was going to get there, but then they sent me down and I had a bit, had a bit of a slow start in Abbotsford in the American league. I just think that, you know, I didn't deal with the, with this, the shock and, effective the send down as well as I could have I just uh you know I got in my own head too much and and I was trying to do too much when I got to the American League to try and get called right back up right away and then you know an injury happened up top and they called someone else up and then it was kind of like a bit of a a bit of a downhill slide from there and you know I wasn't really happy with my situation that I'd been put in there and, and I think there was you know some miscommunications between maybe myself and the coach and the GM in Calgary and then, you know, the GM with Abbotsford and everything like that. I, I think my situation was a bit of a one that, you know, might've been not handled as well as it could have by all parties. So I ended up getting, uh, getting loaned out at the deadline from Abbotsford to Chicago. So I got a chance to, uh, to go play, the second half of the American league season in Chicago, which was an amazing experience. You would know you played there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do everything 
you know, top notch there. The staff, the people, the fans, everything in there is is top notch. So that was a great experience for me too. Um, and kind of put a little bit of a damper on on my time in in the Calgary organization. But I, you know, I don't regret coming back and signing with them. I just wish it, you know, I'd found a way to make it work out better for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a common problem that a lot of guys face. I mean. I went through it too. Um, you know, when you get sent down, you know, you, when you're the last cut and, you know, you're at the NHL level and you're the last cut and you're just, you're just right there. And, you know, like it, it really hurts. It does. It definitely stings a lot. And cause you know, you, you should be there. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's you who's the odd man out and you get sent down and you're like, okay, what do I do to get called right back up? And, you know, your mindset isn't in the correct place that it needs to be. And you need to refocus uh, because you have a lot of that pent up uh, anger from being sent down and you feel like, you know, you shouldn't be there. And then all of a sudden it affects a lot of other things. And then it kind of just, you get into a a spiral and and it's hard to stop it. Um, That's why it's super, super important to, be cognizant of like your, your emotions at that time. And, you know, when you're in it, it's, it's really hard to think of it like that. But um, I think it's, uh, you know, our responsibility to teach those who come after us about these things. And I think that's one thing that I really, really am so gung ho about, you know, telling other people is that when, when you have, when you have that opportunity to do something that only, you know, under 7,000 people have ever done like you, you you really you really want to do everything you can and when you feel like you've done everything you can and it still doesn't work like it's a it's a pretty big disappointment and then you have to go and then just get over it really quick and you know it, it's really tough to do that so I mean yeah I definitely feel your pain there uh, like it's happened to a great majority of guys that you know, that I know and, and happened to us. So, I mean, how did you, uh, how did you deal with that, you know, at the time? And, and like, how do you feel about that now? Like, are you, are you okay with it now with how everything turned out and, and, you know, where your career has gone? I mean, I still think you've had a fantastic career regardless of, you know, that, but, uh, how does that, how does that weigh on you now? Or are you, are you, uh, yeah, I think now it's like, I mean, it's been five years since that happened and, and I've been around to different places and, you know, I got to experience a little bit more of Europe and, and to be honest, when I got to, when I got loaned to Chicago, I ended up, uh, I ended up meeting my wife while I was playing for Chicago and, uh, you know, that just was happened by chance. So I, I mean, who knows what would have happened if, if I hadn't, uh, hadn't been afforded that opportunity. So, I mean, I got uh, a lifelong partner out of it and, you know, I've been able to extend my career still. And obviously I look back on it as kind of a missed opportunity. And if I kind of had the knowledge that I do now, you know, X amount of years later and the maturity that I do now, I think I probably would have dealt with it differently, but I just, I guess I just wasn't equipped to, to deal with that kind of situation at that point in my career um 
you know, I, I was still young. I was only 24 and, and I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder already. To be honest, I, I thought I'd kind of been mistreated by Florida at the end of my time there. And then, and then I went to Russia and came back and, and then, then I kind of thought that I was going to get my real shot of the show. And then I, then I ended up going down to Abbotsford and then, then maybe I felt like I was a little mistreated there at a couple points too, at the time. Now, looking back on it, it was it was probably as much to do with, you know, me not opening up to what they were telling me and, and you know, trying to adapt my game to what they thought was going to get me back to the NHL. I just wanted to play that same game that had got me there. I, I thought that might, you know, was going to be good enough, but, but realistically it wasn't. So I think uh, looking back on it, it's, it's a bit of a sour spot at some times, but then you know, because of that season with the trade and everything, I, I ended up getting, you know, a lot more benefit to my personal life out of it. Absolutely. And, and I, I mean, I met your wife and I think that it's a tremendous win for you that that all happened. So uh, I will say that uh, it was definitely a positive experience, um, you know, so it's definitely about the perspective and, and you have a great perspective on it. And, you know, I think that it's something that you deal with uh, in different ways. Like we all deal with it in different ways, but your perspective on the matter is tremendous. And, you know, you still went on to have a great career and you're still playing now. And, you know, like you've, you, you went through uh, the Alsvenskan in Sweden. You went to the Liga in, in Finland. And now you're back with, uh, with Brampton. Um, you know, that's been a, a little bit of a whirlwind the last few years. But uh, you seem to have kind of settled down and settled into a, a new role. And uh, you've been a leader in many of the places that you've been to. Um, you know, like what, what, what's been the difference in in this part of your career as opposed to the beginning part of your career um i think in the beginning you're kind of trying to just like uh you're really trying to move up move up move up move up and do anything you can at all costs to to move up to the next level but now being where i'm at with my personal life and everything you know i've got my wife and family here in in close by to Brampton. So I think I'm just, uh, you know, I'm content personally where I'm at. So that, that translates to a lot different, uh, a lot different feeling on the ice and, and situation, right. I'm, I'm really committed to the process here in Brampton with, with what we're doing there. And, you know, I'm not chasing the next call up or anything like that. I'm, I'm really digging in and, and doing whatever I can to help us win here. And I think it's, it's helped my game because, you know, you're not, trying to to do everything in one night or everything in one shift you're just you know mm-hmm. contributing where i'm asked and 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 being an older guy now i see younger guys come here and and i i try to you know give as much to them as older guys gave to me when i was younger and and it was a really big help so you know i'm trying to do that as well i've taken on a, a much bigger leadership role i think even last year and this year I, uh, I, I'm actually still hurt. I've been hurt for about the last six weeks. So I've been doing some assistant coaching as I, uh, oh, nice. as I was hurt, I took some time behind the bench. So that's been, uh, that's been a new experience, but I've really enjoyed it. Nice. I mean, 
having played with you, I know you'd fall into that role very easily. But uh, you're still playing and you still got it. Uh, I know you do. I mean, you had 17 goals last year. Jeez, like, you're not an old guy. You're still a young guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that. I, uh, yeah, I've had a bit of a bit of a slow start to the year this year, but I mean, I guess I did last year too. I've always been more of a second half, second half player. So yeah, you 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 come to play when it counts. I know you. Yep. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I've always prided myself on on having big second halves, and I think you know I'm due to due to back from my injury here you know, fairly soon. So I think uh, I'm looking forward to another big second half push. Absolutely. So who, like, who, who would be some of the guys that you would have looked up to when you were younger? Like who are some of the players uh, that kind of gave you some good feedback or good direction when you were a younger player? And I guess now too, like at this point in your career, we're always trying to learn. I mean, who are some of the people who have had some, you know, lasting impact on you? Well, I think early on in my career, you know, I had uh, a couple guys in Rochester, Rory Fitzpatrick for sure, and Chris Taylor that, you know, they both played a long time, both in the NHL and, and in the American League. And, you know, they were guys that always conducted themselves really well on and off the ice. And I try to take a lot of lessons from them. And then as far as now, I mean, we still, guys, we still have a plan on our team. David Ling's been around for <laughs> forever and seen pretty much all you can see in the, in the game of hockey. And uh, I think he, so. Yeah, so he's a, he's always a guy that's you know you can you can learn a lot from just to be able to still do it at the age that he's doing it at is is impressive. And and Alex Foster too is actually my stallmate in the dressing room right now. He's oh, nice. he's been around. He was the captain in Toronto Marlies. He you know had a brief stint in the NHL with the Leafs. So, you know, he's another guy that uh, has a lot of uh, experience that, you know, even as a, as a guy that's been around like myself, you can still learn a ton every day from, from these other guys. For sure. For sure. And it's important to continue to learn because, you know, as we, as we learn more about ourselves and become self-aware, we just develop, you know, so many other skills and ultimately, you know, hockey can't last forever and we're trying to build for, you know, our next chapter and like what we're transitioning out, you know, to do. And, you know, it's so important to continue to, to, to learn new things and to network and all that stuff. So those kind of skills are definitely important. I mean, have you given uh, any thought into, you know, that kind of stuff and, and like, are you, you know, doing anything currently that's uh, sort of helping or guiding you towards uh, that as well as you're still playing? Um, well, I think, I mean, obviously being involved with shifted number one on the hockey side of things, you know, you guys have kind of opened my eyes up to, to the other side of the game as far as it gets, as it's getting younger. I mean, kids today's game have a, a tremendous focus on, on ice stuff and skill development, everything like that. But to bring that aspect of the mental game that we have are trying to bring through shifted, I think is huge. And, and I'm doing that. And, you know, with the, with the assistant coaching brief stint there that, uh, that I've been doing, I'm definitely uh, thinking about doing some, uh, doing some coaching once my career is over. So, 
I think uh, I've got a couple couple irons in the fire as stuff as far as that stuff goes. But I mean, hockey always be a huge part of my life. So I think I'll, I'll try and do as much as I can to, to stay in the game once I'm done playing. For sure, and it's really really important to, that we take advantage of that network, right? Because you know it doesn't last forever. The playing part, so we got to do something eventually, right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, you're, you guys were recently in uh, in an article on the Athletic, and I had a chance to read it. And it was really it was a lengthy article, but it was uh, it, it was pretty honest, actually. And having been a part of uh, those road trips and and all that stuff, I mean, I know I know you weren't uh, on that road trip, um, but you read the story, and you know you were around uh, all the time, like so. What was your take on it, and uh, how do you feel uh, about the, the story that was written? Um, you know, yeah, I had a chance to read the article uh, as well. I mean, first off, I think it was it was well written. There was a there was a ton of detail in there, and and there was a lot of information about all different <laughs> kinds of things. I think people um, are tending to gravitate kind of towards a couple different sections there that that maybe make it seem, you know, worse than it is, not necessarily by the writing, but just like that kind of shock factor that people see when they read it. Um, you know, everyone has this idea of professional hockey and being this glamorous lifestyle and everything like that. And, and it is in the NHL. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, you see those guys with the, with the private planes and the, you know, five-star yeah. hotels and everything like that. But, you know, the minors is, is not like that. And even, you know, if you were to, to do an article on an American league team that had a lot of travel, you know, their stories wouldn't be that dissimilar to ours. Yeah. It'd be very think, similar. I, I think that, you know, there was some, there was some pretty factual stuff in there as far as, yeah. you know, what we have to deal with on the daily. And, and I think that, you know, people got a pretty good glimpse in there of, of thinking maybe that it's not just playing a, a game for a living. It, there's a lot more that goes into it than that. And, you know, sometimes uh, you don't, you don't have the best day, even though it's doing something you love. You, there's still that stuff that you, that you have to deal with. That's ad, adversity. That's not just on the ice. Absolutely. And, you know, Scott Wheeler is a guy who wrote the story for the athletics. So if anybody wants to check it out, just follow, uh, at Scott C. Wheeler on Twitter, and, and you can see the where he's written and follow that along. But, um, yeah, it has some really truthful stuff. And, and I, you know, having known what goes on, uh, obviously I wasn't, you know, privy to the information uh, that was happening at that exact time in that road trip. But, I mean, in years past, I've been on many, many road trips and, uh, I, you know, I can uh, see how things go and especially those times when you're lacking sleep and then the team is not winning and then it just, it just starts to feel so negative and it can quickly get out of hand. Um, so like I thought it was actually pretty well written and it gives the readers a really, really good perspective on, uh, how it actually is instead of like painting this picture of something that isn't. Um, so like, I actually really enjoyed the article 
and I was reading through the comments and I saw that people were genuinely impressed by the article and, and they, they started to change their opinions towards, you know, minor pro hockey players and, you know, or the minors and, and, and towards pro hockey players and, and seeing, you know, what they actually have to deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis or what they have to do to play a game uh, that they love. So, I mean, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good article and shed some good light. Yeah, I did too. I did too, for sure. And I, and I think, you know, the important thing is to not to, not to characterize this as just being about our team. I mean, every team in, in this league and every team around the minors has their own separate set of challenges. And being, being that attendance in the minor leagues is, is very weekend driven. Then mm-hmm. you have to cram a lot of games into the weekends in order to, to make it, you know, uh, a prosperous endeavor for the owners, for mm-hmm. the players, for everybody. So, you know, in order for guys to get paid and make money and everything like that, like we have to make sacrifices and those sacrifices happen to come in playing three games in three days on the weekend yeah. because that's when the most people come out to watch. So, exactly. I mean, it's one of those things that, that you have to deal with and, you know, we're not selling out 20,000 seat arenas like the NHL is on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So, you know, we have to play the games when it's, when it's hmm. best for the market. For sure. The market is the market is the market. It dictates it all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the almighty dollar for sure is, is the bottom line for for a lot of these teams. So that's that's the way it, it's always going to be in the minors, I think. Yeah, it's just the nature of how it is. Um, let's let's take it back real quick to that. Uh, you mentioned how the AHL would have the same sort of thing. Uh, true or false, the AHL is the hardest league you've ever played in. Um. Yes, I I think it is for sure just because it's there's so many different factors that yes. go into it. I mean, there's there's guys that are just kind of there's guys on the bottom end that are there that maybe shouldn't be there and guys on the top end that are there that probably should be in the NHL and there's kind of a weird mix and you know there's a there's a kind of little selfish kind of thing there where every single guy's out for themselves because they are so close to the NHL that mm-hmm. they want to do everything in their own best interest to, to get called up and, and, you know, make it to the NHL. So it's, it's an interesting mix because it's so close to the NHL. I mean, um, guy, lots of guys will do literally anything in order to get to the yeah. NHL. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's uh, anything can happen there on any given night for sure. So yeah. it's, it's tough and, and you got to be ready for every single day, every single practice, every single game there, because, you know, there's guys lining up to take your spot because you're, you know, one breath away from the show. Yeah. And the amount of pressure that goes into every single day. Like I remember literally every single day going to the rink and thinking like, okay, how did I do last game? You know, where am I on the depth chart? Uh, like what I think in my own head. How am I? How have I been playing? Uh, how have the other guys been playing? And then does the NHL team need a call up, or you know, how how is it all going? And you you know, you go to the rink every day with a tremendous amount of pressure, and it starts the day, and it 
it just kind of wears on you and you kind of got to, I think you got to forget about it a little bit because it can be, it can become a uh, very overpowering. Uh, so like that's, uh, that's why I think it's a pretty, pretty tough league to, to play in. One of the hardest, if not the hardest to play in because you're just so close to the NHL. Yeah, I would agree with you there for sure. And, 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 as you speak to all those things that come into your head and, you know, where am I, are our guys getting called up? Do they need a call up? Like all stuff like that is that kind of harkens back to uh, what I was talking about earlier about, you know, worrying about the stuff that you can control, not what you can't. And as a young player in the American league, a lot of guys have trouble with that because, you know, they are in their heads about when am I going to get called up or, you know, why is this guy getting called up or why am I not playing as much as I would like or why am I not on the power play, stuff like that. Whereas, you know, if they put a little more thought into maybe getting into the gym and and watching more video and just Mm -hmm. working on your game as much as you can, then the results will speak for themselves and you pretty soon you will be that guy traveling up the depth chart and, you know, you will be getting opportunities because of it and, you know, ultimately you may get called up because of it. Absolutely. That's a good perspective. Um, so, yeah, we just got a few more questions here before we uh, we go through the uh, this or that, uh, before we wrap it up here. But uh, we'll touch on a couple more topics. So, I mean, as you know, I'm a huge Justin Timberlake fan. And the only person that I know that is at least on par with me in that regard is you. And I'm sure that our wives are bigger fans, but you know, I'll, we'll never let them know that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, funny story. Uh, when his new album came out, uh, I was waiting for a text from, from my wife to say, Hey, you know, did you hear the new song? And and I, I had already heard it, but, a funny thing happened. Uh, I got a text from you saying, Hey, have you heard the new JT song? And you know what? I just, I wasn't surprised at all, but I loved it so much. And I just wanted to say thanks for that message. Cause it really made my day. Oh, you, I, no you problem beat my all, wife yeah. to the punch. I love it. Yeah. Well, I know when we played together, we, we definitely had a, a few discussions about JT. I, I'm a big JT <laughs> fan for sure. I love what he does, not only musically, but just in general. I mean, the guy, yeah. he can't miss. He's hes a scratch golfer. He's, <laughs> in my opinion, a pretty good actor. I've actually enjoyed most oh, yeah. of the movies he's been in, and it just seems like whatever he touches turns to gold. So, I mean, I'm a big yeah. JT fan in all facets of life, for sure. The guy, the guy is winning, no yeah, questions he, asked. And yeah, he just yeah. seems like he's a pretty good guy. Yeah, I like, think so too. And, you know, I, and like, I've I've known a couple of people that have had uh, had you know close experiences with him, whether it be by chance or otherwise. And and they all said that you know he was a genuinely nice guy. So, I mean, to take them at their word, I I wouldn't expect any less from JT. Yeah, that just makes me happy to hear that he's uh, just a, what is he? He's you know he's won tons of awards, but you know he just keeps coming out with new stuff that's just awesome the the new album is is pretty awesome i mean i just spent my entire day and and last few days listening to it and really getting to know it so it's it's been really fun nice nice that's good (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I just wanted to throw that in there because that was, it was just on my mind the whole time we we're talking about doing this podcast. Uh, I was like, I got to mention that message because it really made my day and I was so happy to hear it. The, the, fact, <laughs> the fact that you beat my wife to the punch of sending me the message saying, hey, have you heard the new song? It just, it, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, from one JT fan to another, you know, we just had to, uh, yeah. we're like, we're like uh, <laughs> women talking about the Kardashians, I guess, you know, I just can't oh wait my to get, God. That, get that message out there. <laughs> oh my God, I can't even, can't even handle what's going on with uh, Kylie Jenner right now. <laughs> um, so, okay, Wh- what else uh, does Jordan Henry do besides hockey? Uh, and the hustle. I mean, I know you, you grind too. And, you know, like what, what are you doing with your days? And, and like, what do you like to do um, in your spare time, I guess? Um, well, it's kind of, it kind of varies from on season to off season, I guess. I mean, right now during the season, you know, we're so busy with travel and everything like that. And, and I try to put in as much time on, you know, my other side projects when I do have that time, but you know, at night when I get home, I just, I like to kick back and just kind of chill for the most part. And, you know, I don't, don't do too much during the season. Um, I got two little dogs that I love spending a lot of time with and, you know, it's crazy how much you miss them when you go on the road. So when I come back from the road, I just want to hang out at the house and spend time with them and, you know, spend time with my wife who, I spend so much of the of the year away from that any any few spare moments I get I mean me and her like to just chill out and we have a a laundry list of TV shows that we watch together <laughs> so just to take it easy and, and spend that time together with her and the dogs and and watch some TV that I enjoy is great um in the summer I love playing golf I try and play as much golf as I can, and it seems like it's never as much as I want. But uh, <laughs> still, got I still got to pay the bills in the summer, I guess, too. So yeah, I yeah. love playing golf, and my wife and I really enjoy traveling too. So you know, we try and get away on a trip or so after the season, and you know, just relax and kick back. And you know, I love spending time outside, barbecue, and you know, just having a couple adult beverages with my friends in the summer, <laughs> enjoying the nice weather is, is great. <laughs> oh man. I love it. I think that's uh yeah, I think that's a great way to uh, spend your days when you're, uh, you know, golfing in the summertime. Uh, I actually haven't been golfing. Uh, it's coming up on three years now. So, <laughs> but I love, yeah. I love to do it. I love to do it, but I just, uh, I haven't had, uh, that what's that called the opportunity to do it uh, recently or in recent memory yeah <laughs> I hear you once uh, once you uh, have a little one all your time kind of gets eaten up and, and all those little little things you used to enjoy doing when you had a couple spare hours kind of go out the window because your, yeah, your well, spare time gets shorter and shorter. It seems like, well, that, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let that one go for the past, you know, last summer. I mean, that for sure took up my time, but uh, the two summers before that, uh, I don't really know what happened. So uh, <laughs> I'll just, uh, I'll just say it was preparation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, move into the uh, the last segment we'll do a quick uh this or that so basically i'm just gonna 
say a few things and you'll you'll pick uh, either one. So we'll go through 10 questions here and uh, we'll just get uh, some quick fun, uh, fun questions in. Sure. So if you were to tell me like JT in NSYNC or JT post NSYNC, I would obviously say JT solo post NSYNC. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Uh, I think my wife might fight you on that one. But Really? Uh, she, she's, no, no, but she's, she's a diehard. JT? Yeah. She, well, she's diehard. Uh, no, no. Okay. Let's be honest. She's, you know, diehard JT fan. I don't, I really don't think it matters where, uh, you know, necessarily he is or who he's performing with. I just think that as long as it's coming from his lips, uh, it doesn't matter. And and I would probably second that. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, yes. Just like that. All right. Hit me with it. I'm ready. All right. Number one shots or chances. Oh, that's a tough one because I am a volume shooter. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, you, you've played with me. I, I'm shooting everything. So yeah. I, mean, I consider every shot as a chance personally. So I would have to take shots probably. <laughs> Especially on the smaller ice surface. It's definitely a chance. Like 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm shooting from everywhere. I always oh, tell yeah. the boys, just give me the puck, go to the net because you're not getting it back. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I, I love to shoot too. Um, it's a little bit different shooting from the, uh, the corner of the blue line and the boards in, uh, in Europe though. It feels like by the time it gets to net, it's already, uh, lost like 50% of its velocity. So yeah, I'm with you there. I don't, I don't know if I have enough steam to get it all the way to the net sometimes from all the way up there. <laughs> yeah. It's the sticks. That's why I'm going to blame it on the sticks. That, exactly. Always, yeah. always blame the equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two. Uh, scoring a goal or defending a play? Um, I got to say scoring because I don't get to do it near as often as I <laughs> defend. So it's a, it's a much more rare occurrence. So I, I tend to enjoy those a little bit more because it, as far as defending a play goes, I mean, that's my, my job. So I, I expect to make a good defensive play every time I – every time I'm presented with the chance. So, you know, that's kind of something that I don't really think about as much as, as far as scoring a goal, you know, when I get that opportunity and I do, then I really, you know, I really enjoy it because it doesn't happen near as often. That's a great, great answer. A great way to look at it. I, I, I applaud that. Um, number three, long hair or short hair? Um. <sighs> I mean, I'm always a sucker for the long flow. I, I always think about, you know, I got my hair short now. I'm a, I'm a married guy. I've, I've grown up. I chopped the hair off. But, you know, some, sometimes I just, when I'm in the shower, I run my fingers through it, and I just I miss the long flow, that's for sure. <laughs> so long flow, long hair, yeah. uh, final answer. <laughs> yeah, definitely long hair. All right, all right. Number four, Datsuk or Zetterberg? Ah, uh, you gotta go, Datsuk. Ooh, the Magic Man. Yeah, the Magic Man. Just like sick, sick everything. I mean, Zetterberg underrated for sure, but Datsuk just like if you're an appreciator of the game, like I am, you know his <laughs> stick work with and without the puck is just it's incredible. It's legendary. It's legendary. incredible. Not just the breakaway moves and stuff, but just like. The stick on puck to everything oh, that yeah. he has that could massive, not lose a battle. 
that massive blade that he uses. And then <laughs> every now and then he just decides he wants to throw in a hit and, and absolutely kills someone because yeah. he's, he's so solid. I love it. True story. Uh, I played with a guy, Matias Rotola, who used the same stick as him because he was in Detroit with him. And I uh, found myself with one of his sticks one time that I uh, borrowed from the rink and never brought back. Um, <laughs> but I still have one of his sticks and I never taped it up or anything. I just keep it because I want to show people uh, exactly what Datsuk was working with. And like, <laughs> I cannot imagine him losing a stick battle ever uh, for the puck. I mean, he's basically using a goalie stick <laughs> on the ice. Yeah, it's insane. Like, how would you? How could you ever miss a pass with that thing? Like, it, it could be three feet ahead of you, and it would just <laughs> get a big chunk of your blade, and you'd be fine. Yeah, he can never like miss half. Like, it wouldn't like he wouldn't even have to worry about it bouncing over his blade. It would just like hit it and stick. Yeah, everything is just stuck to your blade at all times. Yeah, yeah. Number five: big dog, small dog, or hen dog? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I gotta go with small dog. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got. I've got two small dogs, so you know I love these little suckers. I was never really a small dog guy growing up, but you know since I got these two little suckers, they they got my heart now. So I'm a small dog guy for life, I think. Yeah, the little frillies—they're breaking your heart. Yeah, shout out to Hen Dog though. That's a yeah. good one. Hen Dog, yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's my boy. He's a, he must be a beauty. <laughs> He's probably okay guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number six, serious or don't sweat it? Um, I try to go don't sweat it. You yeah, know, like it. I mean, there's plenty of time to be serious, and I think people take a lot of stuff way too seriously, especially in this day and age with all the, the controversies that are always sparking up over the littlest things. So so I try to sit back and away from the, the crowd and just just take it easy. I know all that politically correctness is just ah, just yeah. kills me. Yeah, I'm definitely not trying to offend anyone, but I'm also just like chilling and, and doing my own thing, and you know, not not taking myself too seriously either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, I like that. Number seven, JT's new album, hot or not? You know what? I haven't I haven't heard it enough to to be a, a full judge of it which is a shame being as big a jt fan as i am <laughs> you know i've i've heard it but i really want to be like you and take a, a couple days to just throw it on repeat and <laughs> dig in and and really be the judge of it but i mean it's jt so it's probably a banger yeah i mean i'm just gonna go out here and spoil it for you you might as well light your radio on fire it's so hot <laughs> <laughs> that's great i'm looking forward to it oh yeah now. oh yeah i could talk it up and you still wouldn't be uh underwhelmed by it it's amazing <laughs> i'm looking forward to it number eight Gatorade or dates and coconut oil? Wow, definitely dates and coconut oil. <laughs> I mean, I, a little shot of Gator every now and then, but dates and coconut oil. Ever since you introduced me to them, they've they've been my <laughs> my jam during the game, and I'm I try and get all the boys hooked on them, and I've, I've got a few more under my wing as as the season goes on. So you know, oh, it, it, always, it always so happens that. Every once in a while, a guy will just kind of be down, and and he'll jump on the day train, and then boom, 
he scores next period and then he's hooked, you know, guys yeah, that's how it goes. so <laughs> you get him hooked on the dates and then boom, they're scoring and then all is going well. So yeah. The and I, I remember dates. how much they just caught fire that year. That was <laughs> unbelievable. I loved it. That I mean, we brought in tubs of coconut oil and humongous containers of dates. And <laughs> yeah, they were flowing big time. <laughs> Costco size coconut oil. It's about oh. 90 bucks for that container. <laughs> but last you three years. Oh man, those, those are incredible times. You know, incredible times. <laughs> um, number nine, laces in or out? Um, I go laces in. Yeah, yeah but... I'm, I'm fully tucked. Like I, I'm, yeah. I mean, you've seen my skates. Yeah. I got the, I got the custom eyelets on there to, oh, to yeah, tuck them in even further so they never escape. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm laces in for life. Although it's nice to have a built-in excuse when you fall, though, that you stepped on your laces. <laughs> you know what? So... I actually just took my laces out of my shin pads this year, and you know what? That that's uh, that's great. You know, you definitely do have that extra excuse. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, laces are too long. If you hit the deck, you're like, ah, I stepped on my laces. It's yeah. ridiculous. So, you... But then if I fall with the laces firmly tucked, it's just like, I guess I'm just a bad skater. No, I was a sniper <laughs> up top. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what uh, What do you think uh, Ray Finkel is thinking about that? Oh, man, he's definitely laces out guy. He's, <laughs> he's still, he's in jail somewhere, and he's still harboring that <laughs> yeah. negativity about yeah. the laces in. He, he's so laces out that, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's just he would, so he, he'd be rocking one twenties, just like dragging on the ground. He wouldn't even think about tucking. Oh anywhere. yeah, he wouldn't even do up the last four eyelets. Just one twenties no. all the way down. Laces out everywhere. Just tape up his ankles and laces out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number ten. Uh, this is it's just a shout out to our boy Z here, uh, but. Uh, the chicken man. Have you ever had as good a day as the chicken man? Yes or no? No. No. Do you think I've, anyone has ever? Nobody has ever. <laughs> I, I've I've tried to to make a charge on numerous <laughs> occasions, and it just hasn't worked out for me. I just don't. I don't have the greatness inside me that that Wade Boggs has. Yeah. You know, he, sometimes you're just born with it, and and he has it, and. And I don't, even though I want a shot at the title, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not up for it. Well, what is it? It's 107 beers on one flight. Like what? Is well, that? I think in one day. But he had like, oh my god, he, he, they had a layover or something like that. He had like a cool 12 to 15 during the layover. <laughs> like the guy's an absolute machine. Oh my I mean, god, man. a machine and that mustache and just like. Imagine like, waking up after 107 <laughs> beers and having to play the hot corner in the majors the next day. Like you are just oh, yeah. some sort of animal to <laughs> even attempt to pull off something like that. I I just I honestly, first of all, I kind of hope that that story is very true. And secondly, do you think it's like sincerely true? I mean, that's really impressive. If we're talking like <laughs> in that day and age, I mean. I've heard that he's a Miller Lite guy. That's a pretty light beer. And back in the day, the U.S. beers were were pretty pretty light then. But yeah. that's that's a feat in itself. I mean, to we're drink. talking hammering yeah. all day long, like pace. That's like that's pace. like 
that's like drinking over 30 liters of beer. Yeah. That's yeah. that's insane. Like, I can't even, I don't even know how long it would take me to drink 30 liters of water in days. Like, <laughs> I know. Like would, like, would you not die if you drank that much water in a day? Like, isn't oh, yeah. Such, is there a such thing that could kill you from drinking too much water? Like, yeah, I guess, be, I guess, since drowning. Body I don't even is, think it's close to like 10 liters or something. I don't know. 10 liters might be the. That's incredible. Uh, I don't know. I guess he's literally was, drowning himself in his sorrows. He was, it was, he had the dehydration plus hydration going. The ratio was perfect, I guess. And he just, he rode the wave the whole day. <laughs> you know, when oh, you just, man. you just get on a heater and you can't seem to do anything wrong. I guess that was just his day. It just was the perfect storm for him. I remember when a few of the boys tried to chase after it and, yeah, it didn't, it didn't work. I don't think the boys – I don't even like beer that much. So, like, one to two, and I'm already like, hey, okay, I'm feeling it here. I'm a lightweight. Very, very much so, you know. Yeah, but, I, uh, I love beer. I mean, I really enjoy beer in, <laughs> in pretty much all its forms. But I, uh, I just don't have it in me. I'm not born with the greatness. Not many people are actually probably <laughs> nobody is <laughs> that kind of level of greatness, but uh, you're a pretty great hockey player and a pretty great friend. Uh, and dog, you're a tremendous human being. Um, I really, really appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, thank you very much for, uh, for donating your time. I know you're a busy guy and uh, I'm sure that laundry list is pretty, pretty long right now to, to yeah, catch up on those shows. She's growing as we speak, but you know, I just got to, Got to buckle down and make some dinner here now and just get ready to go go about my night. But I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, I, I love talking to you. And I, I love uh, I love hearing your perspective and picking your brain and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm really excited about, about what we're doing here with Shifted. And, and I've listened to the other podcasts. They're great. You know, all the content is great. And, and I can't wait for it to, to be delivered to more people. I appreciate that. And, uh, with this episode, I'm sure a lot of people are going to get a great kick out of it. And you, you offered a lot of good points. And hopefully the people listening, they picked up on those points, especially, you know, some of the things you have to deal with, you know, younger and, and like what your perspective has been and how it's changed and uh, just, you know, how to persevere. And you're still playing hockey, you know, 11 years or, or so after you started playing professionally and when you know you didn't even think that that was an option back when you were 20 or 21 years old so uh it's been pretty awesome to see how you've come along over all these years and and then getting to know you on a personal level has been uh, it's been great so i really appreciate that so thanks jordan i appreciate it yeah thank you buddy so thanks for having thanks for uh joining us in the show today and uh we'll uh, we'd love to have you on again uh, as we go here Awesome. I look forward to it. All right, my friend. Have a good day. Thank you, buddy. Get some sleep. Yeah, for sure. We'll do. You as well. All right. We'll do. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Go. Thanks, Jordan, for being part of the show. Your perspectives will definitely open some eyes to some young kids who are trying to get to the next level and get to where you have been for 11 years now. It really takes a lot of hard work and dedication and a lot of the times the odds are not in your favor even when you're at that level and knowing what to do isn't always the easiest but 
having people around you that can give you good guidance can help you to get to where you need to go. Sometimes the road isn't what you think it is, but it's what we make of it. And, you know, Jordan has done a great job of making his road great and filled with many destinations, but the experiences he's had and the perspectives he's gained have helped him into his life now and helped his teams along the way. You heard him talk about how one of the greatest disappointments of his life was met with one of the best things he's ever done when he met his wife in Chicago. So when you look at it from that perspective, really that's just what it's all about. It's about understanding where you are and what you're doing and feeling those emotions and then understanding that, hey, things are okay. If you like today's episode and you think someone else would like it, please share it with a friend. Or head on over to iTunes and please leave us a rating or leave us some feedback. Your rating will help other people discover us and help this information be broadcast to more people that could use it. You can follow us on all social media at Shifted Hockey. Until next time, thanks guys for joining us and have a great day. Thank you.